Locked On Podcast Network and Odyssey present Locked On Today. When it comes to star performances, the Milwaukee Bucks prove two is better than one in the all-important game three. The Suns are one win away from the NBA Finals. Plus, are the now-legitimate Houston Astros out for revenge? I'm Peter Bukowski, starting your day with the stories you need to know and biggest debates in sports. You're locked on today. Searching all major sports. Found. Let's start with the biggest story. I'm going to try really hard not to make a Magic City joke, but I, I might fail to do it. The Milwaukee Bucks storm back from a ferocious start from the Atlanta Hawks and steal Game 3, 113-102. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton combined for 71. Middleton with a playoff career-high 38 points to go along with 11 rebounds and 7 assists. Joining me now from Locked on Bucks, Kane Pittman and Kane. This was a game and a series in some ways that feels like Trey Young and friends against Giannis, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. Is Was this a game where it was just Trey didn't get enough help? He scores 35 points and, and is hurt in the process? Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the first thing we need to acknowledge. Certainly the injury, which in terms of unlucky injuries, I'm not sure whether I remember one quite as unlucky as that. So certainly that's the first thing you have to acknowledge when you look at this fourth quarter. But I think... We also have to tip our hat to Chris Middleton. And I think this this game was shaping up to be one of the more frustrating losses in recent playoff history for the Bucs because I commented during the game that it felt like Milwaukee's offense was very, very sustainable. They were getting good looks in the paint as they have all series long. But every time they drew near or every time they came within a basket, Atlanta would hit a tough shot. And I, I don't say that in a disrespectful way. I mean, they've got some tough shot makers, but but Gallinari, Kevin Herter, Trey Young himself were hitting some ridiculous shots to keep the Bucks at bay. And it took a remarkable individual performance from Chris Middleton, 20 points in the fourth quarter alone to, to finally get the Bucks over the top here. And uh, I think the, the point you made is right. It, it does feel like the Hawks are outmatched talent-wise, but this team does not go away, and we've seen that all postseason long. Yeah, Chris Middleton outscored the Hawks by himself in the fourth quarter. The Hawks managed just 17. Uh, one of the things that I don't think has gotten enough credit, uh, especially the last two games, has been Milwaukee's defense. Atlanta seems to just make tough shots over and over and over. Is there anything you feel like Milwaukee has to do differently or, or are they defending the way that they want to? Yeah, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, you're going to see a lot of people again talking about Trey Young and the floaters that he gets and he gets downhill. But if you go back and watch the game, I was sitting at home watching this one and some of those floaters, I was like, well... I mean, the, you can't stop everything. Brooke Lopez is right up. He's got his hand in the air and he shoots a teardrop over his hand. I mean, it's an incredible shot. Sometimes you have to just not look at the direct result and look at the quality of the shot. And I think the Bucks defensively have been fantastic after game one. It, it does really feel like for Milwaukee, it's simply cleaning it up on the offensive end, particularly early in this game. I mean, they gave up a 15-point start. I think it was. It might have been 16. And it was based on turnovers. And they just continually gave the ball away. So I think the story continues to be more on the offensive end for the Bucs because they should be able to put up points against this team. They just seem to be going through some lapses on that end of the floor. Locked On Today is brought to you in partnership with Odyssey, your new home for music, news, sports, and podcasts. Download the Odyssey app today. Coming up, the Phoenix Suns are just one win away from the NBA Finals. What's it going to take to get it done? That's next. 
Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Portland Trailblazers have their head coach. Chauncey Billups has agreed to a five-year deal, hoping to be the one to finally lead the Blazers to a deep playoff run. However, according to Yahoo's Chris Haynes, there might be a rift forming between the Blazers and star Damian Lillard surrounding this coaching search and the team's inability to build a title-contending roster around Dame that could result in his departure. Get your popcorn ready. After a scoring-heavy series, one goal in the pivotal Game 7 between Tampa Bay and New York was all it took to advance the Lightning to the Stanley Cup Final. The defending champions will play for their third Stanley Cup in franchise history against the Montreal Canadiens, hunting for Cup number 25. Game 1 is tonight in Tampa. Seattle Mariners reliever Hector Santiago was the first player to be ejected amid the MLB's new crackdown on foreign substances. The umpire crew found sticky stuff on the inside of Santiago's glove, which the 33-year-old pitcher claimed was rosin there to keep sweat from dripping down onto his hands. The Bay Bridge Series is one of the more enjoyable interleague rivalries in Major League Baseball, but it's not too often that both the Giants and Oakland A's are both as good as they have been this season. But guess what? Only one could win the series. Hey there, Ben Kaspic with the Locked On Giants podcast. The Giants lose to the Oakland A's today, but to me, the bigger story is that they do take two out of three from this quality Oakland A's team in this weekend series. The Giants once again playing a competitive team and living up to you know, the expectations they have set for themselves, which is that they are a good team themselves, a very good team, uh, and they can beat anybody's best. And the Giants, they do take two out of three in the series, and the way they did it, too. Johnny Cueto pitched a gem on Friday, and then on Saturday, just another kind of magical game for the Giants. They came back on multiple occasions in extra innings, down a run, Steven Duggar ties the game, with a single, and then Kurt Casale uh, wins the game with a double down the left field line. So it's just a different guy every night for the San Francisco Giants. With that win, it gave them 50 on the season. They're the first team to 50 wins. It's the first time the Giants have been the first team to 50 wins since, I think, 1938. And so Giants are the best team in Major League Baseball right now, even with their loss on Sunday. That's what happened last night. Here's what to look for tonight on betonline.ag. The puck drops in game one of the Stanley Cup Finals between the Lightning and the Canadiens. The Lightning, who will host a series opener, they're favored by one and a half. The Suns are close to their first NBA Finals appearance since 1993. All they need is to win tonight on their home floor with another rowdy crowd expected. The Clippers are once again underdogs with Phoenix favored by five and a half for all your NBA playoffs, Stanley cup playoff, MLB or golf odds, betonline.ag has you covered. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Here is another story you need to know. The Phoenix Suns are one win away from doing something they haven't done since Charles Barkley was patrolling the paint in Phoenix Tonight, they take on the L.A. Clippers to close out the series in a gentleman's sweep. 
They won over the weekend and are now up 3-1. Joining me now from Locked On Suns, Brendan Clean. And Brendan, uh, I, I would normally ask you first about the Suns, but because this is a do-or-die game for the Clippers, from, from a Phoenix Suns perspective, what would scare you about what L.A. could do uh, in, in this game that would go, okay, th- this is their chance to extend the series? To me, we, we probably know, I mean, it's basically a given that Kawhi Leonard will not play. That would be your answer if you were really looking deep. But other, other than that, it's the other superstar. We haven't seen a efficient, elite-level game from Paul George like he was able to muster up in the end of the Utah series to get to this Western Conference Finals. We haven't seen that version of Paul George. He's been inefficient. He's had these free throw problems late in games. He... Uh, just hasn't had the energy, I think, frankly, to defend Devin Booker or Chris Paul for an entire game. So if he has that in him, this series could be extended. But we just it's been four games now and, and that guy has not shown up. So the other side of this for Phoenix, um, we have seen in in the same way in the other series that Trey Young has taken that leap. And for him, it was from star to superstar. Are we seeing the same kind of thing from DeAndre Ayton where he goes from, hey, this guy's a nice role player who we weren't sure that Chris Paul trusted earlier in the season to, no, no, this guy is a legit bona fide building block centerpiece type player for this team. It's very crazy how far we've come. I mean, the conversation heading into the year and in, in, in really just the playoffs, this is a player who had a pretty poor start to or end of the regular season rather and the conversation heading in was not not panic about that because the team in general just seemed ready for the playoffs, didn't play their best basketball to close out the season, still got the two seed. But it was more just what should we and can we expect from this guy? And to be really the, the best center remaining, be the only guy on his team where him being on the floor at the five in a traditional sort of center role is vital to the success of the team. I mean, Milwaukee, the Clippers, the Hawks, all of those teams have a downsized lineup where they maybe feel a little bit more comfortable. The Suns don't have that because Aiton has been elite. And the fact that he's even even able to stay on the floor was a question that he has firmly answered. And yeah, they really, really needed him in game four. He was the only guy who could consistently kind of play his role and get his uh, in a game that was the lowest scoring in the entire NBA season in game four. Coming up, are the Houston Astros out for revenge this season? They read your tweets. The cue of the day is next. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All of these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They are absolutely delicious. They come in nine base flavors, plus some limited edition flavors that almost always sell out. And yet they are low sugar, they are low calorie, and they are high fiber, high protein bars. They are for the person who wants to have something that tastes delicious, but doesn't want to break their whole day's meals. They don't want to break their calorie counts. They don't want to feel guilty. They don't want to deal with all of the garbage that you could put in your body, especially the things that taste good, because well, I don't know why it is, but the, the best things, they're the, they're the worst for you in terms of taste. Built Bar is not like that. They taste great, and they're good for you. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKS15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Agree or disagree? This is the Q of the Day. 
You may not like it, but until this weekend and a disappointing series against the Detroit Tigers, the Houston Astros were the hottest team in baseball. They have seven finalists to be starters in the All-Star Game, the best in baseball. Joining me now to talk about it, Locked On Astros co-host Brett Chancey. And Brett, there's going to be some ideas about a revenge season here. At, at what point does that become something that they embrace? I mean, talk to me about this season a little bit. Well, I think they fully embrace it, to be honest with you. Um, I think at the beginning of the year, we started out really hot, you know, six and one. And then we went through that torrid stretch three or four weeks where it looked like the sky was falling. Everybody in Houston, we were all chicken littles. And it was, you know, you hear in the phrases that we hear in the South, oh, ye of little faith. And we thought this team is not even going to make the playoffs. Our, our relief pitching could not contain a lead. We would get a seven-run lead and it would be, get blown. And we got hit with that COVID bug where four or five players were out. Alvarez and Altuve were in that bunch. We had Paredes in there. And it's been this crazy year where we turn around and I look right now at the current standings and we still are, even with the loss to the Tigers, we're still 48 and 30. We have the best record in the American League and we have become, I believe, the most powerful and most potent offense um, to face. And I know the white, I'm not the white Sox. Good Lord. I know that tigers did their job against the Astros. The young, you know, the young rookies, uh, came in and they weren't intimidated, but this team top to bottom, Peter is something to be reckoned with. I was going to ask you about that because, um, th this does feel like, um, a season because of the nature of it, where we could get some weird things that happen. You mentioned Houston has already been through a little bit of that with some of the protocols. So uh, why not the Astros as the favorites? Exactly. I mean, you know, I think the only, you know, this year you talk about revenge season. I think this club came in motivated and we just had Ben Verlander on the podcast a couple days ago. And he said and I agreed with that 100% that the Astros have taken the fuel of the booze and the hatred that they get from all over the, um, you know, United States when they go, whatever ballpark they're in, people are booing them. I mean, even in Baltimore, people are booing them. And I'm like, wait, Baltimore hasn't been relevant for a long time. But I get it. I mean, they are the villains of the major leagues. They were the ones that got caught. I've heard all the storylines. It's been thrown my way every single day. But the Astros are a team that takes what is thrown at them, and they're like, okay, I'm just going to show you that we're better. And so this season, Peter, has turned into, well, if they're having success, they must be doing something. Or if they're not, oh, it must be hard to do something or be successful when you don't have any help. And so they're in a catch-22. They're darned if they do, and they're darned if they don't. But this lineup, top to bottom, I believe you have seven or eight hitters with an OPS over, what is it, like over 800? I mean, it's crazy. The statistics are putting up. Um, we, we lead in, um, in strikeout percentage, like only 18.2% of our at-bats are strikeouts. It's the lowest in the major leagues. And finally, congratulations are in order for WNBA legend and one of my favorite basketball players of all time, men, women, doesn't matter, the GOAT, Diana Taurasi, who became the first player in league history to score 9,000 points. Already the scoring leader by a significant margin, Taurasi adds 
this milestone to her already incredible list of accomplishments over a 17-season career. The next closest player on the league's all-time scoring list is Tina Thompson with 74-88. 74-88. And Candice Dupree is the next closest after that with 68-20. 6,280 and 7,488. And Diana Tarazi just went over the 9,000-point mark. The GOAT. Coming up Tuesday, will we have an NBA Western Conference champion? Check that out and a lot more. So at least until tomorrow, stay locked on today. <laughs>